All right, welcome to episode seven of season two of the Jumping the Rail podcast. This is Mark Redman from Champaign, Illinois. And once again, I'm joined by my buddy, my tag team partner, the Italian stallion, Gary Vassellio. Uh, Gary, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm I'm alive and mostly well. Mostly well. That's <laughs> all you can hope for, really. And knowing you, that says a lot. Because yep. uh, you're always aching in some form of your, some part of your body. Yeah, we, the whole family had the COVID. If you oh. last, so it's been recovery and being sick and everybody being sick and going to doctors, coming home from doctors. Well, hope everybody's doing good, man. But uh, I, I went and got the booster on Friday and uh, may, may have made the mistake of getting the booster and the flu shot at the same time. Because yeah. uh, I was pretty much out of commission for the whole weekend, just recovering, and uh, yeah. not, not well, a lot of fun. The shots and the boosters always put me out for about a day, so I have to get mine on a Friday after work or something. Yeah, that's why I did mine on Friday. Funny thing is, I think I caught a cold from my wife right before then. But anyway, what's enough of the shop talk about our various medical problems. Let's talk some wrestling, Gary. So... I don't know if I, I'm guessing you didn't watch the uh, NWA pay-per-view over the weekend on Saturday night. No, I, I didn't even only, only spoiler I read was um, that Titus was the new champion. Tyrus. Tyrus. Titus. <laughs> Not Titus. Tyrus won't fit under the ring. No, he'll be <laughs> in the ring. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the big thing. It caused a lot of uh, commotion online uh, after Tyrus beat uh, Trevor and Cardona, because a I, lot of people wanted Cardona to take it. Yeah, I just it doesn't seem like he's popular at all. Like there's usually like a there's usually like a good mix of like oh you're just hater. No, people are just like this dude is horrible. <laughs> like he's there. One guy said, why don't you just make Tim Storm champion again? He can still wrestle better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He still goes like he can go. He's well into his 50s, I think. But uh, right now, I think he's like their GM on one of their TV shows. But, uh, yeah, everybody, I think, was wanting Cardona to take the title. Just, you know, mainstream name. And uh, also damn good as a heel on that show. So. Well, the, I, mean, uh, I can probably see why he wanted Ty- Tyrus because he's on Fox News. He's got that's the that's it. That's the big, and that's also probably part of the reason why he's getting so much grief from fans because you know maybe they are not uh, big on the, uh, the the Fox News right wing media. Yeah. But I mean, he's going to take the, he's going to take the belt on Fox News. He's going to. He's going to talk about it. It's going to get national exposure. Yeah, and that I think that's what NWA needs more than anything. I'm sure uh-huh. I I watched it when I first came out on YouTube, and I enjoyed it because it was very old school, mm-hmm. and it, very, it felt very like that. But then I just kind of during the pandemic where they kind of shifted things, I I fell off, and I've never really went back. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way because when it first started, I'm with you. It brought back that old studio wrestling vibe to it. And I really thought it was awesome. They had some really good names that once the pandemic happened, they all left because 
and they basically went on hiatus. They stopped running TV, like their YouTube show. So they yeah. all went to AEW or Impact. And so they kind of had to start from scratch again when the uh, lockdown lifted. And they're making the, they're making the most of it because, uh, I mean, I watched the show on Saturday. They had some really good matches on there. Davey Richards uh, defended his MLW National Openweight title against Colby Carino. It was a really fun match, which is – Colby is one of my favorite guys on that show. He's such a slimy little heel, just like his old man. But uh, You're a Carino. You're going to be a heel. That's just, oh, yeah. I, I think that's in the contract. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, but yeah, just kind of a just a brief rundown of what happened on that show. Uh, the Fixers, uh, you know Jay Bradley, right? The, the former Brad Bradley in the Indies. Him and Bron- Wrecking Ball Ligurski are the U.S. Tag Team Champions there. And they uh, they beat the Spectaculars to retain their championship. Uh, let me see. Uh, Baby beat Colby. Uh, Homicide dropped the junior heavyweight title to Kerry Morton with his uh, his dad Ricky at ringside in a really fun match. The Hawks Airy, which is uh, Luke Hawks and his son TJ, for those that don't know, uh, lost their bid against uh, La Brebillon, which is Bestia 666, and Mecha Wolf for the world tag team titles. Uh, Bestia's Damien's. Can you remember Damien from WCW? So yeah, Damien's. Damien had a, a good gimmick. I don't remember. It was either him or Halloween that really couldn't work very well, but they both had. I think that was good. Halloween. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. But Damien was in their corner. He's been in their corner lately and uh, helping them cheat and all that. Just good stuff. And uh, there was uh, Max the Impaler, the non binary nightmare, who we talk about a lot on my other podcast, the Zero One Shootout. Uh, she won a casket match over, I forget what the girl's name is. She's Natasha something. I apologize because I don't remember her name off the top of my head. But she's got the, the Sinister Minister is her manager, uh, Max. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty fun package. She's, Max is the one that's getting a lot of uh, attention because apparently Sarah Logan uh, has been kind of given her look in her big comeback on SmackDown. Oh, really? Uh, it's they're very different characters to be fair. Sarah's doing the Viking thing, you know, with with War Machine. Yeah. But Max is more of like a Fury Road monster character, for lack of a better term. But they both wear the brown leather and had the dreadlocks and the face paint. So Yeah, it's you can, you can see where there could be a little uh a little hey, wait a minute, you know. But, there's uh, there's new, especially in wrestling. <laughs> Are there any real original ideas anymore? Anyway, no. no. It's like it's like that's like a local band saying like Metallica stole a riff from them or something. It's just <laughs> it's like, dude, I'm sure I'm sure they did, but I'm sure yours isn't original either. <laughs> no, the only original riff out there is Johnny B. Good. Yeah, because <laughs> that was in 1955. Yes. Yes, but uh, so I, I don't know if you've been hearing the news about uh, Nick Aldis, Gary. Uh, apparently, he put his notice in. He was going to work the pay-per-view against Odinson, but uh, he put his notice in. Then he started taking some shots at the NWA in interviews and on social media. 
So Billy Horgan uh, suspended him and just sent him home. Right. So now so now he's just not doing anything with the company until he's a free agent or until he signs with somebody else. I This kind of goes back to our last discussion, and I kind of feel vindicated about my views on AEW being like, almost completely kayfabe now because if you look remember all the internet darlings when uh alistair black or whatever his name is now um malachi malachi black am i still on there yeah you're okay all i see is all i see is me now yeah um i got you but, I'm, I'm taking liberties with the with the direction <laughs> <laughs> don't shoot. <laughs> don't turn a work into But so like all the internet darlings were like, oh, give him his release, give him his release. You know, you, he deserves it. It's this and that. It's mental health. It's blah, blah, blah. And then Buddy Murphy's next and he's going to leave. And none of them left. They were given their release. They were given the freedom. Oh, and guess what? None of them left. You know why? Because it was all work. Mm-hmm. I, think maybe Billy Corgan's either that or Nick's for some reason just mad. And I and I could see why. Maybe he's not getting paid enough. He did carry that company, but if you if you I if you hitch yourself to NWA, you know even the most you're gonna get paid isn't what you'd get paid probably high up in NXT. Yeah. And all this has proved himself enough that he could go somewhere else. Oh, yeah. But he doesn't seem to want to, so I, there might be something there. But it could just be it could just be all kayfabe too. And so I I I enjoy the idea of not knowing, and so I kind of like this new era that Tony has kind of started to bring around, and maybe Billy now. But and Matt Cardona, I, I mean, we didn't yeah. I didn't give him any credit. Like Cardona, he doesn't like. He's on he's on his channel and he's on Twitter all the time, but he doesn't give anything away. So I mean, props to him. He could he could just be telling everybody, oh yeah, this is all work, you know. No, and especially when he was doing the GCW stuff, he the he was he was that character. He was that character all the time. And Chelsea, yeah, he still does appearances for GCW and still does the same thing. Yeah. He's, he's just the action figure guy who's the asshole heel, you know? Yeah. But but going back to Nick, I'm, it's pretty safe to assume, and I don't know salaries or anything like that, and I don't care to. It's pretty safe to say he's probably making a fraction of what he, he even made an impact when he was there, when he was he, the world champion. He might make more just because, but he does he couldn't be making a whole lot more. Like, no. Because, man, Billy's just Billy. Like, he doesn't – he talked about getting TV deals, and he said he had more people, but I haven't seen him materialize. So he's still this pant like, out of pocket, and I don't know where he's making money. Maybe from outsourcing his talent to other shows, like when they book somebody to come in for another company. Maybe he gets a percentage of that. But with Aldis, I also know he does have a, a business outside of the wrestling. He's has a, I think he has a vitamin supplement business or something like that in yeah. Tennessee. So I think that's where his probably where most of his bread is buttered these days. And uh, 
you know, they do very well for themselves, him and Mickey. They're they're doing fine. <laughs> Not necessarily yeah. worried about how. Okay. But, but uh, I do I do agree with you this though. Uh, Nick Aldis, I think, saved the NWA in 2019. I, I wasn't a big fan of his at all, and over time, I've, I've grown I've grown to appreciate him. Yeah. TNA as Magnus or whatever he was he was just was so so. Yeah, he was just one of the guys. Uh, but, the one that sold me on him was when he wrestled Cody at uh, All In. That's when I really appreciated his work for the first time. And then it, that moved on to doing power and all that stuff. Yeah, I think I think people are going to look back at the run Cody had during that time and give it a lot more credit for what's happening now than what he gets now. For some reason, people just kind of forgot that he was, although the Bucks were all over the place, they were always all over the place. But Cody yeah. made it a point to be high profile everywhere he went mm-hmm. and elevate whatever he went to and be vocal about it. And he had a plan. And yeah. well, really- shoot, remember that list he put on uh, Twitter, like as soon as he got released, all yeah. the guys he wanted to work and everywhere he wanted to go. Yeah, I mean, him and Jericho versus Omega in Japan. I think that's the reason we're at where we're at. Where you have wrestling every day of the week. And no matter what anybody wants to say about Cody, like he made a, he made this smart decision. WWE, I'm guessing, backed up just a truck full of money. Like, I would, I would imagine. And Vince was almost in the thing. And it, it was, hey, I'm going to get this back for death. But, but yeah, all this was... Aldous was their savior the entire time. So I can't imagine Corgan, unless Nick just wants the title back and Billy's just telling him to. And I can maybe see that. Right. But you had it had it for years. So kind of one of those, maybe you should let somebody else run with that for a while and do something else or... Yeah, give a chance to work with some of the uh, undercard guys, kind of build them up a little bit. And uh, yeah, like the guy he was supposed to work with over the weekend, Odinson, just another guy with a like a Viking style gimmick, which I don't know if it's a gimmick, maybe that's just his actual like lifestyle, you know. But big muscled up guy, looks great and uh, not bad in the ring. He's like a big powerhouse, you know, but he could have really benefited from working with a guy like Aldous on, on that stage. It would be more of a shame to me than any of the other stuff if he if he's going out this way in TNA in not TNA NWA, but he may be. But it could all be a work just to get eyes on. But he may be hurt or something, so he needs time off. And the better way to get time off is just to write him off. Yeah, that could easily be. Yeah, it's just it's kind of uh, remains to be seen, I guess. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. It's always fun when Billy's on busted open too, because if if this is a work, he's full work mode on the interviews. He's not uh, revealing anything if it's work or shoot. So, uh, so getting away from the NWA a little bit because I mean, there's only so much we can talk about with that. Uh, Let's talk a little bit of AEW, Gary. Uh, the big uh, announcement last week, Soraya 
uh, said that she's cleared to uh, to come back. She's going to wrestle Britt at the pay per view. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I had an issue with her promo a little bit, and I was kind of vindicated because Bully Ray kind of said the same thing the next day on Busted Open. Because uh, Paige comes out, she's very emotional naturally. You know, she's yeah, the release on life to come back from injury and all that. But then after she goes, spends a good five minutes putting herself over, which, you know, no harm in that, you know, saying all this, like I, I, I've recovered uh, substance abuse. I got hit by a car and wrestled on the same day, all this, all this stuff. And then she just pretty much buried Brit on the second half of that promo saying, you haven't done anything. You're not, you don't know what it means to be a star. Britt Baker made that women's division in AEW. She, yeah. uh, shoot, the matches she had with Thunder Rosa, the uh, street fights, the cage matches, holding that women's title for close to a year, if not a year. I forget the exact time. And uh, there was a while where she was probably the best thing going on the show, male or female. No, I, I yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, but I guess my my two responses to that being devil's advocate would be one, you pride yourself in that on that show with writing your own promos and being able to get yourself over. Mm-hmm. So you're the star women's attraction on the show as Britt Baker. Soraya comes out, I'm sure she's talked to you about it. And she starts burying you. Well, you're the star. Shoot. Yeah. Talk. Yeah. Unbury yourself. Be the heel. Do whatever. Yeah. Or just sit there with your mouth shut. Yeah. Do or it. agape, in her case. <laughs> if which, you watch that promo, she was, she was which just standing there. I, I didn't mind because Brit's been strong for so long. And most, most everybody else she's been cocky with. This is the first time we've seen her not cocky about and almost worried. And I think that's what they were going for, that she is just not sure about herself and she's starting to have a little self-doubt. And it would be nice to see some promos with her saying that or or something like that. But I think that's what it was. They were just trying to show a, a, just a little bit of a, a chink in her armor. And I, I I think sometimes Bully Ray forgets that it's a work. <laughs> sometimes you and, wonder how much he's working on Busted Open. Yeah, but I mean, considering like how many people he's buried on the mic or in the ring, <laughs> or he'll beat half to death because. So I mean. I always, I, although he has a lot of great thoughts, I mean, from some of his opinions, I've heard it were super great. I just think this is one of those things that, what, what, what do you want out of that promo? Do, do you want it a back and forth? Do you want Brit? And if you want Brit to be strong still, I, I, I want her to look a little weak because you're so used to her just going in and winning. Make her look a little weak. And if you, that that promo made her look a little weak, but if you want to make her look strong, she's gonna to have to make herself look strong. She's not got anybody writing for her. Right. So go do that. Go be the star. Go 
go defend yourself. Go stand up. Go do your job. Yeah, that's so. fair. I uh, I kind of wish that they didn't jump right to Soraya versus Britt on for her first match. I kind of wish they would kind of build her up. Like I know she's a Soraya's a star. I mean that's not a, up for debate or anything. But, yeah, but yeah, like there's nowhere to go from here because Britt's the top of the mountain. Right. The only other thing would be Jade, but you know she's got uh, her own business going on. No way. If I'm Tony Khan and just acquired Soraya, who just came back from almost dying from a neck injury, just got cleared, am I putting her in the ring with Jade? <laughs> Not going to happen. She's going to yeah. kick her face, or she's going to kick her in the back like she's not supposed to, or she's going to hit her too hard. And I'm not saying Jade's, Jade's gotten a lot better. She really but has. Just, but she is real strong, and she doesn't know it sometimes. She's very green. She's very green. Yeah. No way putting Soraya in the ring with her right now. Because Soraya is going to have some rust. You're going to put her in there with somebody who knows what they're doing. I would have like put her in with, there with uh, Serena Deeb if it was me. Oh, well, yeah. Deeb would have been would have been better. Probably, because, well, Deeb's just fantastic in the ring. Plus, she's, she's map-based and she's not going to be, you know, doing a bunch of dumb stuff. Like, right. from whatever. From the interview, Soraya, I've heard with Soraya, she's saying that she's going to change her style. She's not going to take any kicks to the back or the back of the neck. Not a bad idea. Yeah, but, the quote I heard, I want to get on to mention this, see if you heard the same thing. I saw somebody posted, uh, I think it's one of the dirt sheets, but I'm not going to say which one. Paige says she's cleared, but no one is allowed to do anything to her that isn't in front of her. That's That sounds like a pretty heavy spin. Well, yeah, that when she was on Renee Young's podcast, that's where I heard her talking about it. She was like, yeah, I'm cleared and I've been taking bumps and that's fine. But she's like just from like basically PTSD and just the idea like that's all it took last time was a kick to the vertebrae. Yeah, she's going to let anybody kick me in the back. And I'm sure she's going to be more cautious, hopefully, unlike Danielson. And a bunch of the yeah. neck problems. Oh, that was a conversation we had when he first came back from. Uh, yeah, I mean, he got clear. Tech- first thing he does, take doing that corner drop, kicking and landing right on his head. Oh yeah, but te- technically now he's taking less, but he's he's working a different style. I wish he would work more of that style where it's more mat based, and not take. You don't need to take. Germans all the time, and you don't need to take dragon suplexes. Be the guy who who gets out of that move. Like there's yeah. plenty of ways to do it. Just protect yourself, man. Like it's just be a it, counter wrestle. Well, it's always funny because you know they get a surgery done, they come back, they're supposedly a hundred percent, which you know they're never a hundred percent. And so the whole next six months, somebody's working on that body part. Because everybody knows that it was hurt, uh-huh. so you, so if you got to think that's really not good. <laughs> so, but she, I think she, I'm hoping she's going to take the smart route. I'm hoping she's going to change her style up a little bit. I'm hoping that just be a bump factory like she was. Yeah, and I agree with that. And if she's committed to that, I think she'll be fine. And Brits, 
outside of a Serena Deeb, I think Britt's probably the best person to be in the ring with. Because Britt doesn't take a lot of crazy chances or anything like that. And no. she doesn't she doesn't do a lot of the throws or anything. She's more like a, a just a striker, you know. But she's got that a little bit of that submission base too. So so I am she, I'm expecting that to be a good match. I mean, she's a lot like the Nick Aldis, basically of of AEW. Like her and Cody were the were the people who brought them through the pandemic. Um, and Moxley. And Moxley. Unfortunately, honestly, I, I think what got a lot so many eyes on AEW was the Brody Lee memorial show because yeah. that was super emotional. It was booked where all the faces were always winning big six-man, ten-man matches, and it was just booked correct. And it mm-hmm. was they showed so much heart and respect, and it got a lot of a lot of eyes. And it's unfortunate yeah. that that had to happen. I think Brody Lee would have been unless Tony Khan Tony Khan him. <laughs> He would have been a huge star. Yeah, but. and uh, and I gotta say though, my one of my favorite parts of that show, they played Old Fifty Five. Tom Waits at the end of the show. Yep. You don't get Tom Waits on wrestling shows. <laughs> but such Tony, a good song though. Tony's for some reason not afraid to spend money on music. Yeah, I think he's smart in where he's doing it. He's not doing it for everybody. Yeah. It's not like Paul Heyman says tells people. Pick whatever song you want. I'm just not going to pay the licensing. It's well, yeah. it's like any independent show where you go and everybody's got. Well, it's either it's probably still either Pantera or. But they just loop the intro to walk. Or or disturbed. Right. <laughs> it's as as my buddy Josh used to say. He's like he worked a he worked an independent show one time. Where two guys came out to down with the sickness, and they made the third guy change his music. <laughs> They're like, no, no that's not part. part. They've already no. You got to find something else. <laughs> so. I think it was the night the line was crossed. Show ECW, and like three or four of the first five guys all came out to Thunder Kiss '65. There was a lot. There was a lot of white zombie back today. Yeah. Well, hell, Jericho's still using white zombie when he does the Lionheart uh, gimmick, because that's what he used in Mexico. Whew. All right. So, moving on from Sarai, Gary, uh, I mentioned uh, Full Gear coming up this Saturday. We actually will not uh, be there. Be watching it live, I guess. Uh, we're going to zero one Saturday night in uh, Mattoon. Oh, is that this Saturday? It's this coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. And you are my ride. <laughs> what time is it? Oh, it's at uh, doors at six. So starts at seven. Well, I we'll have to talk about that. We we will discuss. We'll discuss yeah. off air. But yeah, so yeah. yeah, that show's going on the same time the full year's happening Saturday night. So I have to watch the show tomorrow, on the next day, which is I think the like this. I have to watch that and then go right into Survivor Series. Or wait, no, Survivor Series is next Sunday, like a week from Sunday. I can't keep track yeah. of these things sometimes. But anyway, uh, they haven't announced a whole lot. They've announced well, 
a decent amount of stuff for full gear and uh, not a bad card overall, to be honest with you, Gary. Uh, let's run through it. Uh, uh, Darby Allen and Sting taking on Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. And I'm glad Lethal and Jeff are getting a chance to team up again without having to deal with Flair. Yeah. Because from what I've seen to Jarrett, he can still go. Yeah, he looks mm -hmm. great. He must yeah. have found something. We'll, we'll call it a found of use. <laughs> you can call it that. What if, whatever it is. I'm not, I'm not saying. Hey, he's, uh, he's free of the chains of pharmaceutical dependency, so. Yeah, all these old guys looking great. Like it's not all diet and exercise, but <laughs> positive outlook. Modern medicine is amazing. So we'll go with miracle yeah. modern. Uh, I could honestly, if I don't really care to see Sting anymore, uh, I get why he's there. You know, he he pops the crowd and everything, but he the thing with him and Darby has to come to an end. They got to yeah. move on. One of them needs, I think we should turn heel. It would be best for business, I think. They don't really, because he, he's not doing anything. And I don't know, Sting's, I don't know how much more Sting can do. He's already done dives and crazy stuff and worked matches that he probably shouldn't have worked and done things he shouldn't do at 60 years old. And yeah. He's proved everything he needs to prove. I don't know what else there is. I mean, he's he's wrestling a maybe more ancient than oh, was it? Uh, I can't think of his name. It's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Muda. Muda, yeah. Yeah. So he's wrestling Muda one more time. He's doing all this. Just man, if I were, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, Muda's my last. Match. And, yeah, just have him and Muda just go out together, just for all yeah. time's sake. But I'm not staying in. It's not my career. But right, yeah. he's a big boy. So uh, my only hope in this match is that Sting does not get the fall on Lethal. That's my biggest complaint has been Sting has been pinning the young guys in these tag matches. When it, if somebody's going to win on his team, it should be Darby. Yeah, Darby should be getting the heat in this. Especially when he made uh, Hardwood tap out when they wrestled at TR. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we talked about Sarai and Brit, so we won't go too deep into that. Uh, Luchasaurus against Jungle Boy, uh, Jack Perry in the Steel Cage. Uh, uh, I would have liked this to have lasted longer. Ooh. Oh, sorry. Where, where'd you go? Well, my light. Somebody is somebody debuting in your house because your lights out. No, I had it plugged into my <laughs> PlayStation, and then all of a sudden my PlayStation went off. Well, you you never look better, buddy. I'm I'm kidding. There. Apparently, my PlayStation went to sleep because I didn't. Ah, uh, I see. All right, so uh, consider your thought there on uh, on Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy there. I I. Wish it would have lasted longer. I, I think they probably should have had Jack be out a little longer. I wouldn't see more matches with Luchasaurus on his own, doing his own thing. 
Christian behind him becoming more heel. And then you can have a blow-off match. But if Because if the cage match isn't the blow-off match, then I don't know what it is. The only thing I can in this is, let's say Christian's actually healed up. Into the cage match, Christian comes in, throws off the the sling, and starts beating up Jungle Boy. Yeah, but I, or Jungle Boy thinks he's going to beat up Christian, and he just takes off the sling and starts using his arm, which yeah. would be a great heel move. Oh, awesome. Awesome. There's, no better, there's no better heel than Christian right now, that's for sure. No. And it's unfortunate as much as it is awesome, because I do love Christian, but it's unfortunate that nobody else knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people to learn from, but there's, I don't know how much learning is actually going on there, but uh, yeah, neither here nor there. No, that's a complete, I could fill three hours <laughs> with people learning from their elders or not, and which is not happening anymore, so. And it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. that's what you're there for. You don't, there's no other occupation on the planet where somebody can say, well, I'm just going to figure out how to do this myself. It'll be just as, it'll be work just as well. Like, you can't walk into a factory and then tell the old guy that ran the line for 30 years that you're not going to do it his way because it's not going to work. <laughs> They're going to run you out of that place. You're yeah. not going to walk onto a football team. And say, I'm not going to learn these old plays. I want these new ones. That's, that's or tell the the guy who's been on the line longer that you're you're just that's my spot now. <laughs> well, you know how to line up. I know how to line up the way I like to line up. <laughs> you're two yards off sides. Shut up. This is how I do it. How I do it. Yeah. <laughs> All these younger guys that are like, well, this is the new style, old man. Well, this new style is going to give you about a 15-year career. I've made dozens of dollars doing this style on the independence. Yes, make make money while you can because you won't have a career past like that. Ho- hopefully you like hot dogs and a soda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's all you get after that. Yeah, and if anybody makes me think in this situation it's Darby Allen just because he, I'm just... That kid scares me to death every time he goes out there because I think he's going to do something stupid one of these days and really regret it. But oh, hopefully it. that doesn't happen. Yeah. I want to put that out in the universe. This is bad luck. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> the uh, Winnator Tournament Final will be at full year. Uh, they don't have the participants lined up for the final match yet. It's going to be the winner of the match between Ethan Page and Bandito against the winner of the match between Brian Cage and whoever wins the Lance Archer Ricky Starks match. So, still it's a lot of stuff to iron out. I think we'll have we'll pretty much know what's going on by Friday after Rampage is over. I hope Ethan Page takes the whole tournament. Just I'm he's so good. Be, it's going to be Cage versus somebody. I'm guessing. Yeah, Cage is wrestling the winner of Archer and Ricky Starks. And then the winner of that match takes on the winner of Ethan and Bandito. If, if history repeats itself, which it usually does, um, Archer will somehow lose to Ricky Starks. And and Ricky Starks will fight valiantly. And then some 
even though Brian Cage is literally like seven times his size and muscle mass. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, it'll be only thing. And then he'll have to cheat. And then it'll be Cage versus hopefully Ethan Page. But I don't know. I and mean, it's yeah. what? JF versus Mox, right? Yeah, main event is uh, Mox and MJF for the title. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. We got a few more to get to here. That's at the top of the list here in the main event. But uh, yeah, so a lot of uh, loose ends on that tournament uh, before we can really get into who's going to win it. Uh, TBS Championship, Jade Cargill versus Nyla Rose. Uh, I like the matchup just because for as green and physical as Jade is, Nyla can take the beating and probably dish it back out and maybe try to <laughs> so maybe get her to slow down a little bit. <laughs> slow down. Uh, Andre 101. It, it, just, it does kind of remind me of the Brock versus uh, Strowman match where Strowman getting with that big knee and then uh, everybody needs it as well. Just that's Sock in the face just to tell you to stop. I because Jaden, when she first got there, I know her and uh, Red Velvet got into it because like Jade just punched her in the face and she didn't understand like why she was upset. She's like, Well, she, you're, we're gonna get hit, this isn't ballet. It's like, Yeah, but you're, you're not supposed to try to hurt her, she's your dance partner, not your right. opponent. This, this isn't real. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get hit in the face. That doesn't mean you have to punch them in the face. It's uh, I can't remember who said it, but it was used to be like everybody everybody looked like they were getting hit in the face as hard as they could and you barely felt it. And now it's like they're not hitting it at all, but they're just punching you dead in the face. Like, yeah. I think that's how Bruce Pritchard said that. Yeah. I think I, I don't know you say that. But yeah, but I, I've never heard it. Used to be the point to not hit somebody. And then, then all these kids watched New Japan and All Japan when they were teenagers and like, oh, strong style. Like, yeah. yeah, it's good for a niche, but you can't, like, if you're working that many days out of the year, you're going to hurt somebody or you're going to get hurt. You, you can't keep that up. No. So, uh, if I had to predict, I'm saying I think Jade's probably going to take that match and get her get her belt back from uh, Nyla. But uh, I don't see it being a uh, a Matt Classic, you know. For <laughs> to be honest, uh, let's move over here. The Ring of Honor World Championship Fatal Four Way: Jericho is defending against Claudio Danielson and Sammy Guevara. Uh, this could be an overbooked fiasco with all the Blackpool Combat Club guys, all the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society guys out and about. Well, (laughs) (laughs) now now the curtain falls. Uh, Now we can see what's going on behind the curtain at House Facilio. Yeah, I didn't know why. Yeah, There's there's a refrigerator back there, but yeah, um, it's either going to be super good or off. 
because it'll be too many flippy doos or not enough, or or just a right amount. Sammy will do some big spot, mm-hmm. and Danielson will probably do something he's not supposed to, and Jericho will do something. He'll pull something out of the bag of tricks, and Claudio will swing. Maybe Claudio will swing two people. I don't know. Okay. But, uh, one predicted the fireman's carry big swing combo. Four ways, four ways always have a tendency to become a cluster. You always have yeah. to figure out for some reason why two guys are constantly not in the ring. <laughs> like, oh, well, this guy got powdered like <laughs> But when he comes back in the ring and takes three moves in a row, he's going to get fired up. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, powdering somebody is a way to win a match. I guess so. But uh, But I don't... What's that? But only in four ways. Only in four ways. That's right. Uh, um, My prediction, I think Jericho takes it. I think there's more money to be made with him as the Ring of Honor champion right now. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I think it'll be be a fun match. Uh, AEW World Tag Team Championship. The acclaimed against uh, Keith Lee and Swerve. I think this is finally the match where uh, Lee and Swerve split up. It's the they've been teasing it for weeks. Yeah, and, uh, it's either going to be a split or Keith Lee's turning heel. Oh, could be just out That's of the no nowhere because he's he's been he's been vocal about not liking it, but he hasn't stopped working anything. with. It. No, so he just kind of gives him the side eye every time he does it. Like, oh, yeah. you rascal. But if they get the titles back by him turning heel, then they'll have money talks. <laughs> but, but I don't the, see them taking the belts off the acclaimed anytime soon, though. It's so over. I don't know why you would strip them of the titles because no. you can't. I don't want to see Swerve and Lee get them back just for a few weeks or just for one pay per view or. Yeah. And then have the acclaimed chasing again. They they chased their entire career in AEW. So just I would I would have them win. I don't know what you do with them versus FTR. I think that's got to be next. Yeah, FTR has been been basically waiting very patiently for their shot. But uh, and even though I'm not a big uh, supporter of public scissoring, I do think the acclaimed have been doing a, a fine job. Those yeah, the uh, tight champs. Yeah, I just don't know crowd-wise where you're going to go with that because they're both over, like mm-hmm. huge over right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's just one of those wait-and-see things, I guess. I mean, FTR, they've also been doing the thing. They've been going to Japan, defending over there, defending in Mexico. So, I mean, they got plenty of stuff to do in the meantime. So yeah. they could just as easily uh, just – kind of keep them in the wings and bring somebody else up. The guns, I guess, maybe have a shot coming up. Uh, any number of teams, 3.0, you know. But uh, it's one of those. Uh, the uh, well, the tag team division in AEW is better now than it was a year ago, but they still have a little bit to do. They're still, they don't have a lot of, like, top five contenders ready to go yet. No, anytime you have to throw a team together with 
just two dudes, you know, you're but man, tag team divisions have just been kind of sparse for decades now. For a while, yeah. Even when you look back at what people consider like the heyday back in like the attitude era, it was the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. Yeah, that was the, it. The, AP, the APA was right underneath that. Yeah, and like too cool. Right. But they were, ne- <laughs> they were really never contenders. The only people that were ever contenders. So there was like six tag teams, maybe. Right. Every once in a while, the APA would get the belts, but most of the time they just came in and beat people up. Right. So, well, I'll tell you who I wish would have gotten a real shot with uh, a top spot was TNA, uh, Test and Albert. Yeah. Like when they had Trish. I thought they were they were way better than a lot of people give them credit for. Because I kind of I kind of binged some 2000 WWF a few weeks ago, so I saw a lot of TNA in that uh, few days, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, really, 2000 WWE, you'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I digress. Let's move on. Uh, AEW Interim Women's World Championship, Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter. I always say this. I hope that Tony drops the title because putting an interim on the title is just makes it so predictable that whoever has it is going to hold it until – the champion comes back, in this case, Thunder Rosa. But I want to see that title get uh, shuffled around, especially with this women's division, because outside of Britt and uh, when she's healthy, Thunder Rosa and I guess now Soraya, there's nobody really in that world title picture that is un- untouchable, you know? Yeah. So that's well, dope. it could be a hot potato. They didn't do anything with Ruby. When she first came in, she could have been top of the card. Yeah. They didn't do um, Athena when she first came in. They kind of gave her a little bit. Of, now she's not doing anything. Now she's just shooting on young young girls and playing too rough, getting getting a little heat. Yeah, I mean they they both can get promos. They both know their character. They both know how to work. And of course, you put them in division where you need people like that, and instead of elevating them, you just kind of stick them in nowhere. Right. So, now with Tony and Jamie, I do like that there is a, there is a backstory there. I guess they were besties back in the UK, so that makes for a good story. But I don't think they've explored that enough, like in no, storytelling sense. Evans really said anything about it. I think it was I mean, one passing comment by Tony in an interview. I, if there's one story that's going on that I, I, I think that um, I think Thunder Rosa is hurt. That you, there's been a lot of stuff she has done in other mm-hmm. promotions and just in her career that kind of makes me think she's not the easiest person to, to work with. And I know a lot of people gave uh, Marina Shafir a lot of crap about the match she had with Thunder Rosa. Mm-hmm. Marina's green, and Thunder mm-hmm. Rosa's supposedly not. She should have let her through that match. And the, and even all the bad-looking stuff should have looked better. Like, that's your job as a veteran. to yeah. And the, you're the best in the world at what you're doing. 
you want everybody to believe that you're you're the best, everybody needs to look incredible in the ring with you. That's mm-hmm. your and that, that's not just some dude that wrestled for a short time when he's 20 saying that's any professional wrestler who's had a title would say, mm-hmm. you know, when I finally learned that making these young guys look good made me look good, you know, Shawn Michaels before he got hurt, I, I thought he was okay. He mm-hmm. came back, started giving people, you know, giving people offense, giving people shine. He was he was probably, in my opinion, maybe the best all-around wrestler to ever do it. Oh yeah, he changed his mindset, and I I think there are some people right now who have this mindset that they don't have to play play nice with anybody. So I'm I'm not sure where she's going to be when she comes back. I don't know who they want to beat her. Or if they want her to get beat, but I wouldn't care if um, Jamie Hader got it. Then you could have like a, you could have finally have the breakup angle with her and Britt because yeah. Britt wants well, and Britt would probably just tell her, "Give me the title." Yeah, I, I will yeah. say this: I would say a hard pass on putting Thunder Rosa with Soraya when yeah. Thunder comes back. Absolutely, little Stitsky. But uh, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> nope. I get. I'm Tony. I'm way too much invested. Just uh-huh. in case. Well, it's, I'm not so sure. Like once Soraya really gets her, her, because she's not like a delicate snowflake. And I know Thunder Rose has done some MMA and stuff, but Soraya has been. Fighting with men her entire life since she like, was like twelve, like legitimately. <laughs> oh, that could get bad real quick. I think there would be somebody punched dead in the mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a little Sakuhugan in Soraya that's waiting so, to come out. So now that I've said that, I do want to see that match <laughs> <laughs> in due time. I, I want to see Soraya get uh, shake off the ring rust first. Oh, it's gonna. I think it'll be a while. Took yeah, a while. But that's, there's long term storytelling there, then. So, yeah. What a novel idea. Yeah. All right. So, uh, let's get into the main event, Gary. Uh, Moxley defending against MJF. Everybody's pretty much predicting that MJF's going to win the title on Saturday. I kind of hope that Moxley keeps it just to kind of. Expect the unexpected kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I want to see. It's, it's, I either want to see this sudden change of heart he's had be a complete work, and him go just even more monster heel. Like have the firm come out and him act like he's trying to stop him, mm-hmm. but they just come out and just destroy Moxley, destroy the combat club that comes out to save him. And then, like, he just pins him. Like, old school Jericho pins him. Like, say... Horseman style. Yeah, just, I would, you know, then he could cut the promo where, like, yeah, I I told you I was a devil, and you tried to tell me I wasn't. Well, who's the devil now? Right. 
you know. I was maybe you guys were stupid and you just proved it. Like but the, the other way you can go is, yeah, he loses and you you try to turn him as much face as you can because everybody's cheering for him now anyway. And he's kind of doing the halfway heel, halfway face thing. And you could still have him be a cocky face. Oh, yeah. But the, I, I don't know how well that works for how long. Because that's a kind of a tenuous line to walk. It's easier to be one or the other. Yeah. Either Stone Cold Peter. Not everybody can be Tracy Smothers. No. <laughs> That's probably fortunate. <laughs> well, another Tracy, but, you know, it's a, like you said, it's a slippery slope. And not everybody yeah. can afford those golden helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little hot at uh, Archer for stealing those catchphrase. Well, that was the thing with Flair. Like, Flair was... There were times in his career, even early on, that he wasn't really a heel. He wasn't really a face. He was just kind of there. He was just flair. Just flair. And I was like, it was okay. But it wasn't as good as when he was, you know, a, a total heel or a total face. It just yeah, and I agree with that. Hey, uh, speaking of Ric Flair, today is, uh, I think, a special anniversary, Gary. 33 years ago today was the I Quit match between uh, Ric Flair and Terry Funk at the Clash of the Champions. And you know me, I, I love me some Terry Funk. And uh, him with Gary Hart was just a match made in heaven for me. Funker, man. he How many <laughs> retirement matches did he end up having? Probably more retirement matches than regular matches. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I still, my uh, my friend Jim Desmond does a great, he used to do a great funk impression, but all it was was a complete, it was like a complete reenactment. If we were someplace where he could take off his shoes, it was the funk uh, forever in Japan. You know that one where he's taking off his boots and throwing them and he takes off his socks and throws oh, them? Oh, yeah, yeah. Japan forever. Forever, and that Jim does higher, and then he'll just start forevering like this clock forever. <laughs> I think Rocky Romero borrowed that. He does his forever lariats, like in the like he has two guys in the opposite corners, and he goes back and forth, forever, and then his clotheslines back and forth, constantly, like repeatedly. Yeah, so, everybody loves Funk, man. He's so good. I yeah. went down a 97 ECW rabbit hole, found the match with uh, him and Shane and Sabu from Hardcore Heaven 97 when Douglas won the world title back. And uh, in the middle of the match, Francine interferes, you know, because, you know, it's Francine, that's what she does. And then uh, Dory came out from the back and chased her away, but not before hitting about three good the old European uppercuts on the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Dory moved like an old man when he was like 30. Yes. He's he's one of those guys like double like JJ Dillon. He looks he looked like he was 60 in his like mid 30s. But the crazy thing with Dory is like he didn't move any different when he was like 70. He no. he's still moved. 
it's super like stuff. that. I my favorite funk matches are Terry when he was kind of wild haired, youngish, and he was tagging with Dory in Japan, and they would work like the older Japanese guys at the time, uh-huh. and Terry would bump like an absolute maniac. He was getting thrown out of the ring or like kind of eh. <laughs> and he would just fly out of the ring and he would take these huge bumps in the corners and he would bump and then he would go tag Dorian. Doria get in slow, go hit some uppercuts, act like he was gonna do the spinning toe hole. Uh-huh. <laughs> Crowd pops, gets it on there once, but can't get that second spin around. Mm-mm. How he got crowds to pop for a spinning toll, but that move was over. <laughs> yeah, especially when Terry did it in ECW, he'd still get a pop for it in the late nineties. <laughs> it's like the about... in free to get out of. <laughs> yeah, you just, just kick. <laughs> you pull your foot away. <laughs> yeah. Half the time. <laughs> they have to spin, and when they spin, they're barely holding on to your slippery right. boots. You have a you have a free leg to kick the guy off. You have up. <laughs> you can kick him with your other leg. You can pull that foot away. <laughs> There's a plethora of options. You can use to... the foot to trip him. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, the possibilities are endless there. And you you're, talking about, some... you're talking about you're talking about in Japan. Uh, the most of the ones I've seen of is him and Dory against like the Briscoe brothers over there when they wrestled uh, Brody and Hanson, and uh, and you know those four guys just beating the shit out of each other is part of the reason some of these guys have shortened careers if they watch old wrestling. Just well, Hanson's career lasted quite a while, but yeah, like even he, never, he, he didn't got... see any of it. No, he never saw his own matches. <laughs> Not because he didn't want <laughs> Just He physically he... couldn't. Yeah. Oh, there's there's nobody I love watching more than Stan Hansen, probably. But yeah. it's just it's just he just doesn't care. No. Absolutely doesn't care. It's like you yeah. want to rest? No. No. <laughs> This, there's nothing restful about a Stan Hansen restful. Not a thing. You want some working punches? Not going to get them. <laughs> You're no. not. Not, not going to get them. <laughs> you, uh, I'm going to hit you with a Larry. Okay, uh, just take it easy on me. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> no. The, the scariest thing is the guy goes in, he can't see two feet in front of his face, and he's throwing these wild lariats. Adam Page got knocked out by a lariat from Amber, or Moxley few weeks ago. If that, that was Hanson, he would have killed it. Oh, that would have been... Would have been <laughs> well, if you would have tried to sell a Hanson Lariat the way Paige was trying to sell the King Kong Lariat, he would have died. Because Hanson would have been upset by that. He would have picked him up and done it again. You would just pick him up and done it again. <laughs> and it would have it would have killed him. Yeah. That, I the... was saying, like, well, that's just, you know... I was like, no, that was... A guy trying to oversell the lariat. You just take that. You take a big bump with it. But he was trying to do a flippy do sell. 
and he didn't get his head turned all the way. And he got hit. It sucks. But that wasn't Moxley's fault. Just uh, they kind of got crossed up. It's like a catcher going trying to catch a fastball but getting the curveball instead. Yeah. They look real. It's always funny. <laughs> it's always funny when the umpire gets when the catcher gets crossed up and then the umpire gets hit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no Ryan fastballs and catcher thinks it's yep. going to be a changeup. The umpire gets one right in the face mask. You know, so I, if MJF wins, he's turning mega heel. If he loses, he's going to become a face. I So, I mean, we'll know Sunday so, or yeah. Saturday. Well, you'll know Saturday. Well, the people will know Saturday. I'll know Sunday. Yeah. But uh, I digress. I think it'll be a fun show. It, it'll probably be a long show because that's kind of what Tony does with those pay-per-views. They usually go right around that five-hour mark. But uh, when you're old like us, though, it's kind of a pain, especially trying to watch it live. And you have to be yeah. up for work at five in the morning. Not so good. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so so yeah, that's one thing to look forward to is the uh, it's a, it's going to be a good weekend of wrestling. I'm going to, this is where I'm getting better at my segues, Gary. Let's talk about a bad weekend of wrestling in 1997. Oh, for, look at uh, that. For Canadians on the whole. Because <laughs> our luck on this show, Gary, is whenever something really juicy has an anniversary, it's usually the off week from when we do the show. So yeah. we always, we're, all, we're always a little tardy talking about it, and this is no different. Last week on Wednesday, was the 25th anniversary of the Montreal Screw Job, which, if you have, if you've been living under a rock the last quarter century, is when uh, Vince McMahon rang the bell on Bret Hart during his world title defense against Shawn Michaels at the Survivor Series. Bret threw a hissy fit with WCW, and then his career went down the toilet. Is that a yeah. fair uh, assessment? Pretty close. Um... There was my take originally was I was a huge Bret Hart Mark, so I hated Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. and hated Vince McMahon. Blah blah blah. After I watched Wrestling in Shadows, I still thought Vince was garbage. Oh, I still yeah. think he's not the best guy to ever live by any means. Don't get me wrong, because <laughs> he's wait, he's a carny. Wait, wait, <laughs> has, has something happened to? Put him in a bad light. No I'm kidding. <laughs> It'd be easier to count the things that happened to put him in a good light, probably, with especially within the last decade. The <laughs> SFL not being one of them. Yeah. Well, he sold. It. <laughs> yeah. Just sell it the second yeah. time. But <laughs> there was an aspect of Brett screwing Brett, but there was an aspect of Vince screwing Brett because. From what I've uncovered with interviews and people talking, Brett was getting increasingly hard to work with. Uh-huh. Uh, he was more and more full of himself, which a lot of guys happened to him in those days because they were fighting, still fighting for he spots. Was, yeah, he was he was the top guy. He was starting to say that. 
Yeah, then you had Austin coming up, and you've had Michaels always sniffing around, so he was fucking for that. And this this was also the era where they thought it was a good idea to give people uh, creative control. Uh And and so Hogan used that all the time in WCW, and that's what happened to WCW. Yeah, Hogan used... Hogan used it like a jazz musician uses a trumpet. Yeah. You can talk all you want about how big, like the only thing he did was he gave Hogan creative control. And Hogan never knew when to drop well. Like no. he never knew when it was his time. He always thought if you you could get better ratings with him as champion, all you needed was him on television, and it would have been just as fine. Like Savage with the title would have been great for a while with something new. Even Kevin Nash with the title once he beat Goldberg, at least yeah. that would have been different. But then you just always giving it back to Hogan. Yep. Hogan wasn't the best worker of all time to begin with. But then you bring what? well, yeah. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and stick with that <laughs> because I'm not wrong. Delitus is furious right now. He, I, I know that I know the the, the prop popular thing to say is, well, in Japan he was pretty good. Well, in Japan he wasn't horrible. I mean, yeah. But Hogan was very much the face of work smarter, not harder, in the wrestling but, business. But that's part of my whole thing with like looking at the whole situation with Brett. He had the the offer from WCW, but he knew mm-hmm. what WCW was. So if you're going to stay in WWF and you know, because Vince has told you, I can't afford to pay you mm-hmm. this amount of money, and you, so I mean. You still go to WCW because of the money, and then you expect them for some reason to be magnanimous with the title. And so it it's like slapping a snake on the head and then like picking it up and it not biting you. That's just love. Right. <laughs> that's that's not you know that's not him being nice. It's just you're you have dumb luck. Like Vince right. was of course it's gonna bite, and Michaels was. Because Michaels was Michaels at the time. Like, if it were Shawn Michaels now, no. That wouldn't have happened. If yes. Shawn Michaels wins, yes, it's going to happen. Like, Brett played himself into that position. Mm-hmm. If he if he would have been a professional, I don't care where you were in the world, he should have been a professional when his boss said, you're dropping the title tonight because you're leaving mm-hmm. in a day. I'll right. let you say goodbye to everybody tomorrow, but you have to drop the title tonight. And if Brett would have been professional about it and said, okay, because it does, Mark, I'm going to put give you a little secret. Professional wrestling is predetermined. <laughs> now, wait, we can't have those kind of hot takes on this show, Gary. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's pushing your luck a little bit. So, so <laughs> he worked himself into a shoot is yeah. what he did. And he got too big for his britches. Not see on the other side of that, not saying what Vince did was right because it right. wasn't. 
lot of the boys, like Mick Foley, walked out. Undertaker threatened to walk out. There Undertaker, were a lot threatened, of... to kill... Undertaker threatened to kill Bruce Prichard. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you heard the story. Uh, Taker wasn't wrestling that night, but he was sitting in Gorilla with Prichard the whole time, just watching the show. And right before the main event, I, and I just watched this main event yesterday, they had the long shot of both of them walking from the back to the ring, like backstage. Yeah. So before they did that, Bruce told Taker to go hide out in like Vince's office or dressing room so he didn't get shown in Gorilla. So Taker left. And then what happens, happens. And as they're walking back, Taker's waiting on Bruce because Taker thought that Bruce knew something and was just trying to keep Taker away because yeah. you know Taker would have been out there yeah. if he knew something was going to happen. Because Taker was still the policeman of the locker room back then, in the 97. Yeah, I, I know Mick actually quit. He was gone for a yeah. few days. And he missed because, like a week. Yeah, and uh, there were a with Rube, few. He, yeah, Rube left because of it. Yeah. That's when he, he did the uh, two shots on the same night. So it was... Uh, there was a lot of dumb on both sides. But... Yeah. There was a lot of just ego, and that's what it was. That's what it ended up being. Like, Brett should have been the professional because Brett was a professional. Vince, that's Vince's, that was Vince's baby. That's his ball, and he, yeah. he can take that ball anytime he wants and go home with it. That's, that's the thing that's always been in WWF. And if Brett wanted to change that, he should have bought the company. Yeah. So, as much as I love Bret Hart, still love him to this day, he's, he's not on high as on my list as he used to be. No. But I think he's amazing. He should have just said, you know what? Yeah, I don't. And I, you know, he could have said, I don't like Shawn Michaels. Never have, never will. He could have said it to his face, said, Shawn, I don't like you. I'm <laughs> sure he did. I'm sure he did. <laughs> but, he should have still dropped the belt to him. Yeah. And yeah. just a professional thing. Came out the next night, said goodbye to everybody, and went out on his back in the country. Right. Or hell, if they would have done the... Well, no, I can't really do that. Because I heard another story that he was going to... They were going to do the schmas with Michaels and Survivor Series, and the next night he was going to drop it to Shamrock. I don't know how true that is, but I'm going to yeah. play devil's advocate here for a second, Gary, with uh, for on Vince's uh, end of it. That Survivor Series was right around two years after Medusa dropped the title in the trash can on Nitro, so you know he was still snake bit about that, and that was probably a pretty driving factor into why he wanted to get that belt off of Brett at Survivor Series. Because yeah. he does like as much as he knows, as well as he knows Brett, who's to say Bischoff wasn't going to offer him a half million dollars to drop the belt in the trash can on Nitro? Yeah, I mean, that's understandable. And then the Outsiders had already left, right? Yeah, the Outsiders were gone. Uh, Waltman was gone. I think Jared had just come back from WCW. But uh, yeah, it was still kind of that influx of guys moving, like, uh, Crush hadn't left yet, but uh, yeah, it was 
they were still it was right in the middle of that time and they were really log jamming the NWO with everybody. Basically anybody that got released or left WWF went and joined the NWO. And uh and that's what happened to Brett. He did the same thing. NWO had more valets than some factions have members. <laughs> yeah. Rude, Virgil, uh, Elizabeth. The Disciple. The Disciple. Oh, Beefcake. Poor Beefcake. <laughs> I remember one time Hogan told him to use his finish, and it was like a stunner. They gave yeah. Beef the stunner. Nobody else could do Well, Disco could do the stunner. But he did the chart buster. Yeah, I think Disco even changed the chart buster for a while because... Yeah, I think he made it as a mech breaker for a while. Yeah, but they but they never did anything with with Brutus and he just he came in. I didn't even know it was him because he had the big beard. He completely changed his look. It took me a few weeks to figure it out. Yeah. I was like I seen him, he was the booty man. That's beefcake. <laughs> but then it just makes so much sense that it'd be beefcake. For Hogan to have a lackey, he's gotta be beefcake. No, yeah, I, I understand the idea. I completely understand Vince being gun shy at at very best about saying, "Hey, yeah, you know what, Brett? You're the champ. You have creative control." And, but I mean, it's that was a slippery slope too because then any wrestler that from that point on that was like, "Well, I want creative control in my contract," was just going to know that you're lying. Yeah. And if you really wanted something bad enough, you were just going to do it to them. So, I mean, that's taking trust away. But when you look at it, creative control went out the window shortly after that. You never heard of people creative control no. anymore. Vince was like, no, and I can't do that anymore. Yeah. The closest thing was Hunter, but he was on the creative team pretty much. Yeah. But, uh, even Stone Cold didn't have complete control over his character. I mean, that's why he yeah. took his went home. Like, yeah, he, he tried to pull a little bit of that and said, yeah, I'm not working with this guy. And he said it wasn't because he didn't want to work with Lesnar. He wanted to do it on a pay-per-view. He wanted to make some money on, on the match instead of an unadvertised TV match. No, I, 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 I understand Stone Cold's stance on it more. Plus, when you like watch him talk about it, like he was beat up. Like his he, everything hurt. Like he had been just working, 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 working for months and months. It's like the dude was just done for that time. And yeah. if he wouldn't have taken that time off, his body would have forced him. To he, he would. He would not have made it to WrestleMania 19 if he no. hadn't taken the time off. But, but uh, no, I agree with your assessment of of Vince. Like, like I said, when I was younger, I was all Bret Hart, all the way, screw Shawn Michaels for what he did. I hated Shawn after seven. I hated Gorilla Monsoon because he restarted the 60-minute Iron Man match. That should have been a draw. Because it screwed Bret. It should have been a draw. Yeah. It should have been, was that a dusty finish? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But uh, another thing to think about, everybody always, it's, when people tell the story nowadays, it's a three-headed monster. It's Brett, it's Sean, it's Vince. And as it goes, the story is Vince told Sean, 
apparently apparently Sean knew about it. But no, there's no Vince way he told Vince told him to deny, deny, deny. He Vince told him he would take all the heat. And Sean just he didn't want Sean to say anything because he didn't want him to get more heat from the rest of the boys than what he already had in general because of his personality. But uh, because so like, lack thereof. Yeah. But in Sean's defense, though, if your boss tells you to do something, then you're going to do it. Same thing with Earl Hedner. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I at the time I blamed him, but Sean did what Brett should have done because his boss did something. Yeah. Listen to it, and it, don't get me wrong because there's been plenty of things my bosses have that I've said no because that was dumb or dangerous. But when you're wrestling, like, and especially then, somebody else below Vince would have said, Hey, I need you to, to actually pin Brett. We're actually we're, we're gonna do Brett in this match. Yeah, you can say no to them. Like Bruce Pritcher telling you, then you go to Vince. Yeah. So Vince is like, yeah, this is what's happening. It's like this happening whether you like it or not. It's like, no crap. So, it, are you going to go to WCW when he fires you? <laughs> is that your best hope? And then hope that right. they don't shut down? Because he'll never hire you again. Like Vince, would, if Sean would have would have refused, he would have found either found somebody else to do it or he would have figured something else out and he would have never, Sean would have never done anything. Yeah. And it's easy to say Sean had a welcome invitation to the new world order waiting for him at WCW, considering that all of his buddies were already there. But it's like you said, who's to say that that company's not going to, like that company's going to last three more years pretty much. Yeah. Or just shit the bed. So, I mean, all, all those guys made enough money or should have made, but they didn't apparently enough money to survive the rest of their life. But apparently, some people don't know how to save millions of dollars. <laughs> then you got your Scott Steiners who buy a Shoney's franchise in Georgia, and you know, they do does fine for himself, you know. Well, I mean, he's probably the accountant, right? What's that? Probably not, right? He is amazing at math. <laughs> this is true. He didn't. He, he's. They gave the wrong Steiner the teaching job than the the school board. I st- still watch that. Oh, it's oh. so good. I remember watching that like when it first happened, and I'm just. I was watching with my brother, and we were just looking at it like, we're just looking at each other, dumbstruck, like, what did he say? Like, wait, and I'm kind of, I'm getting a calculator. I'm trying to do the math, and my like, wait, no, this isn't right. Yeah. Just classic. It's almost as good as the Sid Vicious. I'm twice as big as you, but I have half the brain, or whatever it was that he said. <laughs> wasn't wasn't inaccurate. No, it wasn't. But I don't think that's what he was trying to say. No, but it was strangely apropos. <laughs> Oh, Sid. We could we could we could do a whole show on Sid. Yeah. But we gotta make sure it's not softball season before we do it. Hey, you know what? One of my favorite Shawn Michaels matches for a long time was him versus Sid, where that was it Shawn the cameraman? 
Oh, oh, uh, the one where Sid hit him with the ca- hit Jose with the camera. Yeah. Yeah, that was Survivor Series '96. I just watched it yesterday. It's a good match. That's a great match. It just goes to show Sean can get a good match out of anybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Sid was not uh, Frank Gotch by any means, but when he just sticks with what he's good at, you know, big boot, choke slam, clothesline, power bomb, you're good. Just no big frogs, no big boots off the top rope. If nope. if his match if his matches with Spike Dudley taught us anything, he's not even good at bombs. Like don't <laughs> either because he about killed Spike. I don't know how many times because Spike weighed like nineteen pounds. Yeah, so correct. Accurately, <laughs> he was he was. I think one fifty was being generous when yes. they announced his weight. He's probably close to one thirty five. With with weights in his pocket. Like, yes, and Sid still couldn't just get him through a tech. No. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. That makes it that much more fun to watch when Spike wrestled Mike Awesome later. Yeah, it was awesome. Was aptly named. He would when he would just carry Spike up the top to the top rope on his shoulders. Yeah, like, good lord! I mean, if it wasn't for his stunning lack of loyalty. Then Awesome could have been one of the biggest stars ever in ECW. Yeah. But again, uh, again, money talks. Kind of going back to the Brett thing, you know, they backed up a armored truck to Mike Awesome's front door and said, "Hey, I don't care if you're ECW champion, come to WCW and drive a tie-dyed bus and please the fat ladies, yeah. and, uh, and you'll make a lot of money." Yeah, but. He had a lot of head trauma too, so it wasn't. Yeah, he did. I mean, worked with Masato Tanaka for ten years. It's gonna happen. I don't know how Tanaka's still alive, but oh my god, I think he's. I don't know for sure, but I think he's kind of lightened up on the chairs lately. One, one would hope. <laughs> yeah, it might be a condition. It's like he can't get health insurance unless he gets up to steel chairs. <laughs> I. I think we pretty much decided what our position on the screw job is, but I had one. There was a, there was something this week I wanted to talk to you about and just get your take. I don't know if you saw it. It was the, I think it was four or five. Was it six women? It was four like number one contendership that I, I don't remember, one. The one on SmackDown? Yeah, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Yeah, Lacey, Zayali, Shotzi, and somebody else. Uh, Sonia. But so there's that spot where uh, Raquel has um, can't think of her name. What time number? Zayali? No. Uh, I gotta go back been, and watch the match. She's been feuding with um, Liv. Okay. She was the general manager. Oh, Sonia. Yeah, I like the bill. She's Sonya the bill. Sonia's great, but yeah. Raquel Sonia up, and she was up on stairs, and there was a table behind her, and then Liv jumps from the barricade and hits this body, and as they fall. He completely missed the table. Liv's forehead comes like this far from just hitting the table, 
Raquel mm-hmm. Eck will almost just crack through the t- there was all two almost deaths from that yeah. spot. was strong enough to basically dump Sonya off, who landed bad. Right. Yes. What what I'm getting at is so they're giving them more time to wrestle, and they're giving to a more extreme thing. And and a I'm going to blanket AEW with this too. So you you're you're giving your guys more time to wrestle, which is great. But if they're using that time to just do dumber and dumber stuff, like you got to start making sure that this stuff is safe because, like, your wrestlers are a commodity. Mm-hmm. Like, you you lose these people, and you can push somebody else up in the spot, but you've invested a lot of time and effort into that, and they've invested a lot of time and effort in, and like she's been taking some. Like big bumps onto piles of chairs, and that spot almost killed her. And then, mm-hmm. but then look at AEW. There's like Danielson got took that move from Sammy. Sammy's hurt people before. Yeah, with stuff. He's he's just not super safe with stuff. And Danielson, you know, he's not going to do something wrong, but he got need right in the. Orbital. So even Danielson, if he would have broken his orbital bone he's out yeah like just a little while i mean even it takes even a while to allow them to come back if they have a mask because yeah. that's gonna ruin your sight and so i don't know if he cracked his orbital or what happened but he definitely got but plus it's not like danielson doesn't have concussion issues yeah like there needs to be somebody that stands up and just says okay this is ridiculous like it's okay to push the envelope, but be don't be an idiot about it. It needs to yeah. start being friends or something. Because one, it's not special. You do it every week. And I kinda understand it more with AEW because they don't have pay per views as often. Right. But I would save it for like a once a month thing. Allow people to use tables or chairs once a month or blood. Because it was every week for a while. And yeah. the, same thing like save it save it for a pay-per-view it's not as much as you speak because there's no buy rate because yeah. everything's right. on the but still like man. Well, save the table for luchasaurus to do a show slam through yeah now. yeah i would say save the book for moxley but he started bleeding when he sneezes but uh yeah i see what you're saying it's like they're trying to get as much bang for their buck as they can when you're going to get just as big a reaction and a lot better feedback if you're making it more about the psychology than about the actual high spots. Yeah, I mean... You can do a triple windy or a 450 or whatever off the top of a ladder, but there's no no why to it. Like, no, you don't know why they're doing it. If it's somebody that, say... I'm just going to throw a hypothetical out there. Let's say Adam Cole threw uh, Jungle Boy off the top of a ladder through a table and put him on the shelf for six months. Then six months later, it comes around and say Jungle Boy is the surprise entry, like the Joker in the ladder match at a pay-per-view, and Adam Cole's in the match. Then if Jungle Boy jumps off the top of a ladder onto Cole through a table, you know why. Yeah. And it makes sense. Nowadays, people are just doing it because it's like, look what I can do. 
like yelling at your mom at the swimming pool while you're on the high dive. Yeah. Well, perfect example. One of the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers matches, they did like a, they did a flipping pile driver off the top through tables, and there was a kick out. Drove me nuts. I remember it. And they, they all should have got fined for that. Did they really? No, I said they should have. Oh yeah, I would have fined them. Fined them, fine them all five thousand dollars for yeah. stupidity. Yeah, but like, just it's not just killing moves. It's just you're killing your talent. Like, and if you're allowing them to just kill themselves, you're not doing your job. You've got to protect them from themselves sometimes because. Especially younger people, people in their twenties and early thirties that feel like they're invincible. Like I remember those feelings. Like, but I re- I, I know what it's like to get up now. Like, we were like all was, young, and dumb, young and dumb ones. You have all these guys who are wrestling way, but they were wrestling a different way. And these younger guys, they're not they're not going to make fifty years old. They're they're not going to make forty. Not, not comfortably. No. If, if they do, they're going to be riding a rascal around and, you know... I guarantee you, in five years, Sammy Guevara is not going to be doing stuff off the top. No. He's not going to be able to. No. And Ricochet, Ricochet will eventually not be able to do the things he does, and he's not even as nearly as dangerous as... Ricochet's probably... He's the cleanest of any of the guys. Like, he's pretty pretty clean. I think the only one who I think has better body control than Ricochet right now is Pac. Yeah. Well, even AJ Styles will will tell you the reason that he now hits, like if he does a springboard 450, he hits it because it started to hurt too bad if he missed it. Yeah. So he realized that there are some things you do when you're younger that just come back to get you. And that I just, it it just bugs me that they're giving it for away for free, and they're allowing their talent to do that, and it's just, it just seems like such a waste. Yeah. It's like, why, why buy the cow when you get the sex for free, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although, I, I wouldn't hate seeing AJ do a spiral tap one more time. It's, it's been about 10 years since I've seen him do it. Yeah, I was hoping he would do that. I think it was him versus was it him versus Danielson. I was hoping he would do it, or him versus somebody else. It might have been him and Edge of Mania. At least that's when the last time I thought about yeah. it. That's what I was like. Yeah, this, I'm hoping he pulls it out, but he didn't. No, but that's a hard move to do, from what it looks like. I would imagine. Yeah, I, I can't do anything from the top <laughs> I heard you did a pretty mean big splash back in the day. No, no. <laughs> I, I do. I would do middle ropes, but I never want to get up on top. I just. I, I, I always, don't have the balance for the top rope. Just gonna fall. I yep. just fall, and it's just gonna hurt. So. Just do a misty plunge, you know. Just put the arms up and just fall backwards. Yeah. <laughs> then throw your back out. Yeah. But I digress. But yeah, that's a, that was a, an interesting topic to bring up, Gary. I'm glad you did because I think it needed to be discussed. Uh, when I saw that spot with uh, Liv and Raquel, it reminded me of, uh, I'm, tell me if you remember this, La Resistance and Spike Dudley on Raw. 
they did that double choke slam over the ropes to the floor, but they didn't clear Spike's feet. So Spike hit the base of his skull on the edge of the table. I thought he killed him. Yeah, he, I, I, that's because Spike's invincible, apparently. Spike, I, I think Spike just goes knows how to make his body go limp and take all of the punishment and then just get up and been dead. Like that Buff Bagwell took less impact on that. Oh, on the Bulldog. Like it just boop, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Gary yep. is gone, Clark. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so Gary, we got a couple more things to get into before we call it a show here. Uh, number one, uh, we did this last uh, last episode for the first time, and that is the uh, the Jumping the Rail Hall of Fame. And if you remember the last episode, we put in the uh, eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant, as our first inductee, and I th- I think well deserved. And uh, the guy I've got for this week, it kind of goes along with our Montreal screw job discussion, and it's not Brett and it's not Sean, but uh. It's, I think, the most talented member of the Hart family, and that is this guy. Oh, yeah, he's definitely the, the best. Rocket. Owen Hart. I mean, Fine. for my money, he he was so much – I thought he was better than Brett back in 94. Um, if you watch Owen's Japanese stuff when he first started, it's in mm-hmm. – he was doing stuff that nobody else was doing. Like, well, I mean – I mean, he, he did a lot of stuff that maybe Dino did, just because he was he'd seen oh, it. Calgary guys, yeah, he was. But, uh, he was working Liger and guys like that over there too. Yeah, he was putting it together differently, yeah. and he was so smooth. And as a worker, he was definitely the best heart. And as a character, he was definitely the best heart. So mm-hmm. if we're going with his best heart, yeah, by. By a considerable distance, it's it's oh, Owen. Yeah. And, yeah, I love that. But Brett's character was okay at best. Yeah, it was fine for what it was. He was he was being himself. But, but then Owen, Owen had that over the top, like he could be an obnoxious heel, or he could be the fiery baby face if you wanted to. Yeah, and the stuff he did with, uh, not even the stuff he did with Austin, which was awesome in '97, but. When he was teaming with Bulldog in like '96, when they beat the Smoking Guns, and then they would do the thing where he was saying he was in charge of the team and all this, and he was playing the heel, and Bulldog was like a pseudo baby face, and then just everything he did, he could make everybody get invested in it. And if you think about, like, you look at what happened with like Austin Theory yesterday, uh, and I'm not saying he's as good as Owen Hart because who are we kidding? He's not, but. Austin Theory finally got people interested in him yesterday on Raw. He ditched all the fluff, you know, the uh, cell phone, obviously doesn't have the briefcase anymore, but he got, he got serious and just became, just started kicking ass last night, beat the shit out of Dolph, beat the shit out of Seth, and got people like organically booing him for the first time instead of just saying, oh, this guy's a annoying as hell, I don't want him on my TV. They were actually booing him for what he was doing to the baby faces yesterday. Yeah, yeah. and it's a, sh- it's a shame that that had happened to Dolph because 
that guy, if anybody deserves anything, he deserves more. Guy is has everything you ask for plus plus. <laughs> like he can work, he can look, he can talk on the mic, he can be a face, he can be a heel. He's like the yeah. mini version of the big show. If, just, if there's if there's anybody on that roster right now that reminds me of Owen Hart, it's Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. For the ring yeah. work, for the personality, for the just the talent, you know. He's like a he's like a glorious mixture of Owen Hart, Shawn Michaels, and Kurt Hennig all rolled into one. Well, I mean, the what's crazy is the three of those guys you just mentioned. What separates them is Shawn Michaels somehow was actually able to climb that mountain. And at the time, Shawn was climbing that mountain. Even though he was an incredible worker, he wasn't the best worker of the three. It was either perfect or Owen, because man, Kurt Henning, real good. <laughs> yeah, he good. Real good. Uh, yeah, I think out of the two though, I, I got to go Owen though. Between Owen, Owen yeah, man, Owen was so good. He just everything he did was just crisp, and it was, and it was, it was almost I would call it buttery. It was just, it was smooth and. It always had a purpose. He never just threw something in just because. And he was able to work with everybody. He was in the nation of domination. <laughs> yes. It wasn't like it wasn't like you you could throw him into anything and he was going to get over. And uh would Not he have like ever Sammy Zane now? Yeah. Would he have ever been champion? No. I don't think Vince would have ever made him champion. See, I think he, I think there was still room for that to happen if what happened didn't happen. Yeah, it would have been rough after the whole Blue Blazer thing, but he might have been. I think it could have turned back around. Yeah, and he could have gotten, he could have gotten there. Uh, I like to think so anyway, because I think it's a horrible injustice that he was never a world champion somewhere. Yeah, but instead, you know, we got from that whole situation, Jeff Jarrett being a 90-time champion. Oh, <laughs> uh, Double J. Hey, they were a fun tag team, too, though, Double J and Owen. Yeah. When they had uh, Deborah with them. It was the only time I really liked Jarrett. Actually, I didn't like Jarrett ever until probably these last year and a half because his character is actually developmental. Like his yeah. work is dirtier and grittier. It's not just him doing the same stuff over and over, him being yeah. the same for it's different. I'll tell and, you what. The uh the match was the shit. The uh the flare match at the pay-per-view. Um, the build the build-up was magnificent. Oh yeah, it was great. And most of that has to do with Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. If you listen to, I don't know if you ever listened to his podcast with Conrad, but they were, like, there were parts of that podcast where they would get heated. They would you know they, they were doing doing some work, you know, because yeah. Conrad's Rick's son-in-law, and yeah, they were oh. they'd go back and forth, and Jerry what? just really put his cards on the table on that show. Like Flair said, you know, is, is hinting at that might not have been his last match. Somebody needs to sedate him. <laughs> yeah. Just 
they need to start like slipping something into his herb, man, because he's he's got to stop. Because anybody who's still telling him that that match was good, or signing him on, he almost died. Yeah, he did. He passed out twice. Yeah, yeah. He so almost, not doing much. He he wasn't overdoing it or anything. He's just old and not well. Just, He's like, well, I didn't drink enough water. Blair, how long have you been doing this? <laughs> what? What? What, kid? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. We could... no, that's awful. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. Owen, I'm glad Owen finally went into a Hall of Fame. I that's another one of those subjects is two sides. I can see why Martha wants absolutely nothing to do with WWF um, because I've watched documentaries and I've watched different things and I've read different things and it all really point to like last minute just slip side hiring people that really weren't at the top of their game. And the call for husband or luck is luck. And I can see, hey, I don't want anything to do with this company. So I don't know what Tony Khan said to her to get that one. I think a a lot of it, I think, had to do with ponying up the money to her uh, foundation for the charity, which I'm sure, and I'm playing devil's advocate again, if that was a condition for Martha, say, hey, Vince. I'll let you put Owen in the Hall of Fame, but I want you to donate to our charity. If they do enough charity work in WWE, they probably would have done that in a heartbeat. Yeah. No pun intended. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, obviously, Martha's going to hold a grudge. I'm not going to falter for that, but it, I didn't think it was kind of, uh, I don't want to say petty. I don't know what the right word is for her to go and do business with another wrestling company when she basically from what I've always heard, just hated the pro wrestling business in general. Not just WWF. She hated that Owen was wrestling and wanted him to stop all the time. And then she goes out on AEW and goes on and on about how much she was enjoying herself. And and, and I don't blame her for enjoying wrestling. We both do. But it just seemed like she was talking out of both sides of her face. And and I'm not trying to say that. I don't want to get letters from people shaming a widow or anything because I can't fathom what she was, what she's gone through over the last twenty-five years. Yeah, but uh, I, I think it, the, the other side of and if Vince would have been just transparent about her from the beginning and just said, "Hey, I screwed up," and he paid a big settlement, yeah. like he should have done. Yeah, there's, uh, there's always the, there's always the what if, and everybody there's. There's not a right answer or wrong answer to this, but everybody always, most people I've talked about this say the same thing, but I want to hear what you say. Should they have stopped the show after the accident? Oh, I would have just because the dude died. Like, and they knew something really bad had happened. Like, they, I know there people said, well, he hadn't died yet. Well, once right, you figured that out. I think he was technically still alive when they got him out of the ring. But so, once you figured that out, you, you now have an entire crowd that has seen somebody die 
you have a dead man's blood on the ring. Mm-hmm. You have I think people. there's a divot in the ring. Yeah, you have people in the back who not only just work with this guy, they love this dude. Like he was popular with everybody. Yeah. And so then you're just like, no, we're just gonna keep doing this shit. Uh we I don't care how you feel. That these people pay for money. Well, you know what? There are things more important than money. Can I? Uh, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here, and like I said, I'm not. I have no skin in the game or anything. Is it possible that the pay-per-view company told Vince to keep going? It's like, hey, I mean, we we're paying you for this time for a show. I mean, it's just I'm, easy to say, hey. I'm sure there might have been a fine assist or something if they if they didn't give them a certain amount of time, because I know sometimes they can get fined for going over right time because they're taking up other time from somebody else so that could have been part of it and i know he wasn't making like a metric ton of money at the time no well, he wasn't making bad money i think that was the middle of the attitude era so he was making much better mm-hmm. money it wasn't a so, huge buy it wasn't a huge pay-per-view it was over the edge it wasn't like it was SummerSlam or wrestlemania i i think maybe the right Thing would have been something in the middle that he would have came out on the stage or into the ring, explained to the crowd what happened, mm-hmm. refunds for anybody who wanted a refund, wanted to leave. But we had to let you know what happened because we respect you and we respect mm-hmm. Owen, but this the show will continue. And and on it because we think that's what he would have wanted. Even if you said something like that. But I think one of the things that Martha said that I agreed with completely was so this horrible accident happens, they take him to the hospital, the show continues, and then they basically make the police wait hours to investigate the scene of a possible crime and a death. And then you're waiting for people to leave the ring. So instead mm-hmm. of having to go up, yeah, they yeah that's that's a that's a part that doesn't get talked about a lot it's like what if that was a crime scene you know that's that's yeah. kind of a, that's kind of a uh, a can of worms there they didn't know yeah and what you were saying about if vince would have come out and get done that and talked to it on the top of the stage all that i think that's something if that was an ecw show i think paul would have done that yeah that's very much in paul's wheelhouse what's different to me about it was it was a done by a non-stuntman that went wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, when Austin broke his neck, and they drug him out, or when Draws broke his neck, or and the show continued, or when Buff broke his neck, you know, the show continued. But that was a wrestler in a wrestling ring doing wrestling mm-hmm. moves. Yeah. That something bad happened. Yeah. And then he didn't, you know, but I'm fairly sure once... Masawa died in the ring. They didn't complete that show. Well, I think that was the main event, though. Yeah, that might have been. Yeah, well, probably. Might have stopped the match early, but, you know, I mean, and not making a lot of Masawa because, and that was just a free thing. That was just a back suplex he just landed wrong. Well, I, I think it was just too many years of landing. Well, and tear, yeah. Back in your head. Yeah, Masao's kind of the king of the. Oh, apologies to Nakamura. He was the king of strong style in Japan. Oh yeah, 
I was super sad that day. Masao was my favorite. Oh, I was I was stunned. I was always a Kobashi guy in uh, in Noah. Kenta Kobashi Which, was my guy, but Masao was right up there. Which is funny because all my friends like they they all had their their once we started watching all Japan and New Japan, we all had a guy. Mine was <laughs> Josh's was uh, Kawada. Nice, yeah. Justin's was uh, Kobashi. Somebody really liked Jun Akiyama. Um, there was even somebody for like Ogawa or one of those guys. But yeah, it was everybody had their favorite, and it was usually because they like Josh liked that, like the little head kicks, the water kicks. Mm-hmm. And I just love the rolling elbow, and so there, there was had something for everybody, but then. That was really before we started watching Hanson, and then we all just fell in love with Stan Hansen. Right. Yeah. I became a fan of Kobashi after this match with Samoa Joe in Ring of Honor. Oh, then you went back? <laughs> yeah, then I had to go back, because I didn't see a lot of Fall Japan back before like 2005. <laughs> then you had to watch him get beat for like five years by Masao. <laughs> yeah, I watched a lot of Masao matches. The one he had where he finally beat Masao... Oh, uh, burning man. hammer in the middle of the ring. Uh, that roof, like for a Japanese crowd, that was the hottest crowd and reaction I've ever heard. Because when he hit that and got that pin, that place went insane. Yeah, because it I was the it was a buildup of years and years and years. Yeah. Just smokes getting there. It made Raven and Dreamer look like a walk in the park. Yes, it did. But also, I mean, Kabashi, he only did that move like, what, eight times in his career, the Burning Hammer? Well, it was kind of like. Uh, it was like his in case of emergency break glass finish. Yeah. Well, Misawa had the. Uh, was, was it two or 91? Tiger Driver 98, I think. Yeah. Well, it might have been 91. But he, he only so did Tiger Drivers. Because that was really dumb. Drop a point on your head, you know. Yeah. But yeah, everybody had their in case of emergency break last move. And then eventually Masawa got the Emerald Corrosion. Yeah. And um, Kobashi had the Orange Crush Bomb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would break that out. Then he'd do that sleeper suplex, too. Yeah. Um, that Half and sleeper suplex. Madness. Oh, he did yeah. that to Joe. Samoa Joe was 300 pounds and he did it to him. Well, Kobashi's not a small dude. <laughs> no. Kobashi's a stud, man. They all learned that physique from the Road Warriors. Yeah. Road Warriors came over and they taught them how to work out. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. only would probably require a little more than just weights. <laughs> a little pharmaceutical enhancement, maybe? Maybe. They all got Zubas to go with the Rivera Steakhouse jackets. What? Well, that's what it was. It's Zubas and Rivera Steakhouse jackets. That's why we're not ripped, Mark. We only, <laughs> you only have one of the two. <laughs> Although I didn't find on eBay, on eBay, they have Rivera jackets for like sixty bucks. On eBay? On eBay. Rivera so I thought about it. <laughs> it looks like the uh, like the Rivera Steakhouse jackets. And they have, does it have Rivera on it or? Yeah. 
I'll have to send you a link, but I mean, it's been it's been considered by me. I haven't uh, pulled the trigger. I think I might get a look from the wife if I buy a, a jacket yeah. from a Japanese steakhouse because wrestlers wear them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think I'd probably get a look too. That's <laughs> all right. But anyway, Owen Hart, all of Owen Hart, yes. <laughs> you're you're very good at getting us back on track, Gary. I appreciate that. Not super good, but good enough. You're good enough. <laughs> All right, so we got a few more minutes here, Gary, and uh, it's time for. I'm just going to call it out. It's the part of the show that's going to get me a lot of heat from people when they hear what we got. It is time for Top Ten Tuesday. Brought to you by ProWrestlingTees.com slash JTRPod for all your jumping the rail merchandise needs. And I'm getting pretty good at this shilling stuff here. And our topic this week. Greatest WWF or WWE tag teams. And I've always, I've done a, a version of this list before, but I've always done like best of the 90s or best of the 80s. You know, I just figured the hell with it. I was going to do all overall. You know, why not? And uh, we'll see what I come up with here. And most of it, everybody on this list has held the world titles at least twice on here. And this isn't a list of my favorite tag teams because this would be a very different list. Just as a disclaimer. So we're going to start with our number 10. Undertaker and Kane. Uh, Two-time WWF Tag Team Champions, WCW Tag Team Champions. Plus one of the more over acts in the company for, uh, well, ever. You know? Yeah. For a good Brother. 20 years. And uh, I like them as a tag team, especially in the uh, invasion angle when they were going with uh, uh, Paige and Canyon in the cage at SummerSlam. Yeah. And, uh, basically, just them stopping Paige and Canyon from running away for 15 minutes before they finally just killed them. Uh, kind of sucked they got stuck working Chronic at the, at the next pay-per-view. Which I like I liked Chronic in WCW, but they were not the same Chronic in September yeah, 2001. That, yeah, I don't know how that translated so badly. I, sure. That might have been Taker doing a favor for his buddy, uh, Crush, getting him, getting him a booking. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so they're number 10. Uh, some people might say they're too low on the list. Some people might say they're too high on the list. It's hard to say. Uh, number nine, uh, going way back to the 70s, Mr. <laughs> Fuji and Professor Tanaka. They're with the Hollywood fashion plate, pretty blasty there, giving the uh, Donald Trump sign, uh, thumbs up. And uh, three-time uh, tag champs, and not not counting the uh, other, like, two or three times Fuji held it with uh, Saito. But uh, they were one of those dominant tag teams. This is back, before, I think, a little before the Samoans got there. Like around time, the Valiant Brothers and the Strongbows, all those like real tough tag teams back in the 70s. <coughs> but, uh, excuse me, I cough into my banjo. And, uh, but yeah, it's just there was two fail safes if you wanted to be a really effective heel in the 70s, either be Russian or be Japanese. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's in the, 60s, in the 60s, it was be a German, yes. Yeah. But 70s, it was Japanese or Russian. That was, uh, that was a failsafe. And Fuji did it so well. Tanaka was more of 
you know, the, and he was odd job, from, uh, the James Bond pictures. So, but Fuji just, he was one of my favorite heels just because he was such a, a dirty bastard with the salt and the chops to the throat and all that stuff. But yeah, so I got them at number nine. I would have had, I might have had them higher, but you know, just, they were from a, a, a bygone era, if you will. Uh, unlike these guys, my number eight, the aforementioned Wild Samoans, uh, Afa and Sika here. Later on, they would have a third, which was Samu from the Head Shrinkers. But uh, this was before the bloodline. These guys were the bloodline. You know, they were three-time tag champs managed by Captain Wu. And yeah. uh, pretty much ran every tag division they were ever a part of. Uh, the Crockett's, uh, Hawaii, San Francisco, uh, McMahon, you know. And uh, they were main eventing a lot of the shows back then, like at the Garden or whenever they make the loop. They were tag teaming with in the main event, either with the uh, tag teams depending on the titles, or they would just work like Andre and Snuka or Rocky Johnson or you know, whoever. But they were such a cool act just with their look and their style and everything. And uh, I think that's why I liked the Head Shrinkers when they came around in the 90s, because it was kind of a throwback to that. Which is kind of, you don't get that out of a lot of Samoan wrestlers these days. I mean, you get a little bit of that out of Jacob Fatu in the MLW, but it was kind of like, this was like the groundbreaking like tag team, you know, the Samoans. So I had to put them on there. Uh, I would, I probably could have had them a little bit higher, to be honest with you, but uh, that's not the last Samoan tag team you'll see on this list. So let's move on to number seven. This is the first one I think that's going to get me in trouble. I got the Hardys at number seven, and if it was up to me, I would have had them lower. Uh, but uh, six-time champs, I've never really been a fan of the Hardys, per se. Just kind of be a fan of their style. But, you know, success speaks for itself, you know. <coughs> never been in. Like, when they first came out, they were kind of different. Yeah. But first, I mean, you had those, that first ladder match that was nobody received. But then after that, everything was the same. Like, they, they were as formulaic as you could possibly get. And, it, yeah, I just never cared after that, honestly. Like, my my team during that time was the Dudleys. They were just, they were really good. Yeah, I, I, like, I like the Dudleys too back then. I, I mean, I still do. Just, but, the, yeah, the Hardys, they were they were for the ladies. You know, the girls liked them because they'd take their shirts off and had the long hair and did the flippy shit and all that. So, but they were a big deal in the in the attitude era. So they got they made the list. The number six, uh, I would have had these guys higher, but they didn't really work like a tag team per se. Road Dog and Billy, we've talked about that before, Gary. Hated them. They never <laughs> did any tag team moves. That they're they they had the tag team championships. I don't know how many times. I'm sure you uh, do. Seven times, uh, six or seven times. Six or seven times didn't have a tandem finisher, didn't have any tandem moves. It was just two dudes out wrestling, and the only thing they would do together was cut a promo at the very beginning of the match. Yeah, and honestly, that was mostly Road Dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I guess if you're not down with that, yeah, I guess. <laughs> 
But now who's who's laughing because Billy Gunn's the most over thing in AEW right now. Billy Gunn's Billy Gunn's working, talking, moving is better than he's ever been. I actually yeah. enjoy it. It's impressive. Like it, it really is. Modern science, man. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be gotta be yeah. <laughs> Yes. Can't think All of right. anything else to be giving 50-plus-year-old those kind of muscles. Yeah, and I'm it, not sure how old he is. Like 50, I don't know if he's 54, maybe a little older. Oh, yeah, he's old. He looks like a, he's built like a brick shit house. Just, I'm just going to say it. Let, to get an idea of maybe what I'm talking about, Sting is like 60-something. Uh-huh. But he wrestles with his shirt on. And I'm sure he's mm-hmm. still working out. I'm sure. But he, he doesn't tone. Apparently, he has not found this well of uh, Don Quixote. <laughs> that knows. Ponce de Leon, the captain of you. Not Don Quixote. Don Quixote. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he was tilting at windmills, but Ponce de Leon was, was uh, trying to find the fountain of youth. Well, I'll tell you who found the fountain of youth is action Mike Jackson. He's 70 some years old, he's still working. Oh, really? Yeah, he was a junior heavyweight enhancement guy in in Carolinas and Alabama in the 80s. And wow. he's still, he still, he beat Joey Janela at GCW a few months ago. Of course he did. <laughs> like everybody has. But, but anyway, so the uh, next edition of the Going to Get Into a Lot of Trouble for this choice is my number five. And we kind of talked about him a little bit earlier. I got the Heart Foundation. Number five, uh, two-time champs. I liked them best, I think, in that second title run when they beat Demolition at SummerSlam two out of three falls. Yeah. But I was always more of an Anvil guy. My brother was a big Brett guy. I liked Anvil because he was funny looking and he laughed like a psycho. And uh, But yeah, they were an awesome tag team in an era of awesome tag teams. Uh Again, not my favorite tag team back then. I was a Strike Force guy, believe it or not, in the late '80s. Of course. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course, I was. I liked Chico Santana back when I was a kid. He was. I thought he was Ch- awesome. Chico Santana. Chico Santana, the uh, the burrito salesman in Tijuana, as Jesse Ventura would say. Which you can't say now, and I'm regretting paraphrasing. Uh, not now. Not, it's, uh, not the thoughts or the. The feelings of jumping. <laughs> no. The opinions of Jesse Ventura do not reflect those of the JTR Podcast Network. And cleared of all problems. All right. But uh, no, the Heart Foundation, uh, I thought they were good. I don't think they were the be-all, end-all. In that era, it probably would have been the Bulldogs. But they didn't make this list because they only held the titles once. And they spent a lot of their time hurt in the late 80s. But that's that's neither here nor there. All right, let's move on to number four. We just mentioned him a few minutes ago. There you go. The uh, got the Dudleys in a number four. Uh, I think I got them number four because they weren't a homegrown WWF tag team. Everybody else on this list was made in WWF as like teamed up together. But the Dudleys are the ones that came over from ECW. They were already eight-time champs there. They won another eight or nine championships. In WWE, WWF, and, uh, and then 
who knows how many they want an impact in Japan afterwards. <coughs> you better get you better get done, man. You're gonna talk. I'm 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 fighting through. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it. I'm still uh, I'm kicking out of this uh, COVID booster backlash here. But uh, at least I didn't cough into the banjo this time. But we boys, Gerald. I was trying to see if there's anybody on our on our Facebook, not Facebook, but YouTube. Oh, I think they're a little tardy. They'll, uh, I'm sure I'll hear about it from Dwayne. I think Dwayne might be not home. That's why he's not listening to this. Yeah. So we got top four now. Top yeah, three. Number four, we're, number four, we're talking about the Dudleys, and then, uh, and we already talked about how much we love the Dudleys. The Dudleys are a team that I know a lot of people talk well about them, but they're, they're probably the most criminally underrated tag team. They were just really good. They had tandem maneuvers, promos, they had character work. They could be face or they could be heel. They sacrificed their bodies. They made people look good in the ring with them. Um, they did everything you're supposed to do as a tag team. And uh, for, for my money, best tag team finish of all time, that 3D. Oh, yeah, 3D. Yeah, it's just, it's, in, it's in very impressive. Only Look. kicked out of once, ever. Yeah, that, was, that was just... That was by the Machine Guns in their last match. Oh, that's right. Well, last match, finger quotes, because, yeah. you know... Because there ever really a last match in pro wrestling. Which is a shame, because I don't really like either one of the Machine Guns. But that's okay. Really? I always liked having Shelly. I thought Shelly was fun to watch. Still is. But, uh, if I had to pick, Shelly would be money back. Yeah. All right. Let's go to number three. Another one probably people say, why aren't they hired? Boom. Oh. This was, these guys were the top tag team when I first started watching wrestling. Like, well, a little after, by 88. But three-time champs. Uh, not wildly popular with the company nowadays, not, as I not understand kids. it. They weren't Kiss either. No. Everybody <laughs> says they were Road Warrior ripoffs. I never saw that. No, they were just you know, Kiss ripoffs. <laughs> yeah. With a little Judas Priest. Well, yeah, with a little Priest. But yeah, but, yeah just... everybody says they looked and acted like the Road They didn't wrestle like the Road Warriors. They didn't look like the Road Warriors. They didn't talk like the Road Warriors. No, they if were anybody always... was if anybody was a Road Warrior ripoff in the WWF, it was the Powers of Pain. Yeah, <laughs> they were pretty much a carbon copy Road Warriors, from the haircuts to the tights to the, you know, they were big muscle guys. The Demolition were big, strong guys, but they were not bodybuilders like the Road Warriors were. No, and their finish no. was a very <laughs> underwhelming were... finish, if you ask me. Too the uh, elbow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, now I'm hoping the Beverly Brothers are number one. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Beverly Brothers did not make the cut. <laughs> if it was the greatest AWA tag teams, they would have got on there. You know, the Destruction Crew. Wayne, was it Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos? Mike Enos. Mike Enos. Mike Enos, yeah. the guy who was in the ring when Scott Hall debuted. 
The only reason I know that is because when they came to WCW, they went by their real names. Yes. I had to figure out why they mattered. They're like, it's Wayne Blue Mikeyness. And I'm like, who's that? And then I'm like, why does that matter? It's like, why are they getting so excited about the Beverly Brothers showing up here? <sighs> All right. So, yeah. So, Demolition's my number three. And they were pretty dominant back in the late 80s, but they didn't have a long run. They were only for a couple couple years before they kind of acts finally. His body kind of failed him that he had to give it up. And they brought in Crush. It wasn't quite the same, you know. So so that's why they're on number three. Number two, I think, is an easy one. Edge and Christian. Uh, any team that can win the World Tag Team Championship seven times in one year is, is pretty crazy. Yeah. Because yeah. you look at their resume, you think they were together for years. They only teamed up for about two years. Yeah. And the crazy thing, I mean, like we were talking about earlier, I think part of that was there was really only like three teams like doing like this dance with each other. And so you mm-hmm. were just back and forth between the Dudleys, the Hardys, because that's what was making money at the time was just yeah. those guys putting on just phenomenal matches. I mean, it shortened careers. Well, not really. I mean, some they're all still working. Not some yeah, of them too. Pause some careers. Yeah. What? It paused some careers. Edge and Christian both took several years off in between, like when they made their comeback. Yeah, Jeff Hardy retired years ago. Yeah. That dude is just a, a mass injuries. Yeah, and he's a, also a mess of bad decisions. Oh, yeah, those outweigh just, the injury. If anybody, if anybody can be considered their own worst enemy, it is Jeff Hardy. But yeah. How do we get back on the Hardys? We, we were number seven for a reason. Yeah. But yeah, Edge and Christian, they were my favorite. Like, as much as I love the Dudleys, uh, Edge and Christian was my favorite because they were just so so goofy back then. Oh, with, they with the, with the pose and the the way they would do their interviews and everything. It was just entertaining to me. The stuff with Angle, Kirk Angel, <laughs> Kirk Angel, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they would uh, work with Mister Roboto. Totally, Jer- uh, Jericho always had the the really hip references for the uh, wrestling fans in two thousand. But uh, but yeah, so I think Edge and Christian is a strong number two. Insert joke there. Uh, so my number one, I think, is going to get me a lot of heat, but it makes sense to me just for longevity, for success, for what they what they've been doing. A number one tag team, and I don't have a drum roll, Luke, so just imagine one. You got to put the Usos number one right now. Yeah, right now, yeah. And this, these lists are so subjective, they can change one week to another. But right now, I mean, there's there's no better team than the Usos in the yeah. Over Over all time, I would definitely put the New Day ahead of them. Just because of the amount of time, not amount of time they were champions, but just the amount of times they've been champions. And since they were able to do that with three different men and stay together as long as they have, like that, that's pretty impressive. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, right and, now the Usos are the top of the WWE hill. Yeah. Which a lot of uh, thought to put the New Day on there, but the reason I didn't is because they were three guys. Yeah. And they didn't have the same two guys holding the titles every time. I, uh, I don't I guess I, I understand Roman having the titles as long as he's had more. I don't get it. I I would have def I would have dropped belts to I would have dropped the belt to Edge at Mania because he was so. hot. Yeah, he was hot, and you don't know how long you got him. Hmm, that's and true. You don't need to capitalize on that, and apparently you only had him like two three years, hmm. and they haven't done anything really with him. He they, he could have been your champion. He could have at least done TVs. If I was. If I was going to take the belt off Roman, I would have put it on Drew at the uh, Clash at the Castle. Oh, or that, yeah, because Drew deserves it. And I'm just tired. I I think if I wasn't so tired of, even in their oositude, oh. <laughs> their oositude, their, their oosiness, um, and it's kind of reinvigorated some interest in them, but man, they have just been beating me over the head with the Usos and Roman Reigns and the Bloodline, and I'm just I don't care. Here's don't. the thing: there's there's not a lot of strong tag team contenders in the WWE right now to take the titles off the Usos. I mean, Montez is hurt, so Street Profits are out for the time being. But they've um, had time to create tag teams and they haven't even done that yeah the problem is they they're doing it wrong and here's what yeah. i mean i mean they're putting guys together but they're trying to fast track it before these guys like back in the day they would put two guys together on the house show loop for yeah a few weeks let them build up their chemistry get their tag get their moves set and all that now they're just going straight to tv and if they're not gelling with their chemistry <laughs> the fans are just going to shit on it immediately and then there's no coming back from that and I think that RK Bro was I think the exception to the rule maybe yeah, America, maybe Alpha Academy it feels yeah. like Randy got really hurt or something but yeah Alpha Academy they were Chad Gable dude the stud he's awesome he, he has every uh, every ability that Kurt Angle had. He's got comedy now. He knows how to cut a promo now. He, is he knows how to play that crowd like a fiddle. Strong as an ox. Yeah. That dude is dumb and stupid. He can throw anybody. He could probably and throw Lesnar if he wanted to. Otis, who is just a wrecking ball, that yeah. team won the title. Well, they yeah. did have a title, didn't they? They did for a little bit. And then they lost it, but I mean, I don't, I don't know why they're the job team. My, they're almost my, like the gatekeepers now. My my thing is, I I think they need to actually bring, along with kayfabe coming back, they need to bring back jobbers, not like Dolph Ziggler jobbers, like guys who you like know, local enhancement guys, like Brooklyn Brawler, like, like Barry Horowitz. Yeah, looking that work in the back basically, but every once in a while you bring them out for enhancement. Like now they just get the indie guys when they need, and that's fine too. If you want to just hire guys from indies, right. 
that day of, yeah, go ahead and do that. But I want to see that more because then that helps protect people. Yeah. And if you want Dolph Ziggler to get a win, you have him come up and be an enhancement guy. Give him five yeah. minutes. Can I tell you what I want to see happen? So Theory beats the shit out of Dolph last night. Puts him, seems like they've figured out for a while. Austin needs to come out next week talking about Seth, about what he did. Then he needs to get the, uh, a run-in from one Robert Roode to get a little payback for his buddy. Because Roode's one of those guys that can really make Theory in the ring. Yeah. He'll, he'll make him look great. He'll put him over to the moon. And uh, they're not doing much with Rude right now for whatever reason. I think he's working young guys on like the house shows or I don't know. I think he was he was charged with uh, coming up like helping Veer uh, find his feet on the on the road. Didn't really work out so well. I mean, Veer's back in NXT now. But... Yeah, well, <laughs> that'll happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, we got a comment. Uh, on the, as we're about to say goodnight here, uh, David Rocha, how long do you think it will take to break the Usos reign? Three to five years? Or will it be the next generation in a decade or so? I I don't think it'll be that long. I, mean, I, I, could, I think it's just, in my opinion, and I know he's hurt for uh, for a little while, eventually Sammy's going to get the boot from the bloodline. It just, you know, it's coming. So then I, I think it's going to be him and Owens to beat the Usos. And take those yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And then yeah. it, it's going to be Kevin because they haven't done anything with Owens in a long time. So I think they're kind of saving him. And well, you see, I think, I think they said as much. What? I think that, I think they said it was they were going to pull the trigger on Sammy, but then he got over like, doing the bloodline. Yeah. So there's so they stretch, they're stretching it out more. But I yeah. think that was the plan is to get Sammy out, but it was KO. Well, when you're that oopsie. Yeah, the the ooze is strong with uh, with Sami Zayn. Well, Gary, this it went a little bit longer than we usually do, but uh, I think we uh, covered some good topics here. Uh, maybe stirred up a little controversy. If you guys uh, didn't catch this live, and if you did, we appreciate it. This will still be on our uh, Jumping the Rail YouTube channel, and it will drop on the podcast on Thursday morning. If you want to check it out, and uh, we will, uh, of course, next week we won't be uh, be on. It's our off week, but we hope you guys have a good uh, Thanksgiving holiday and uh, don't eat yourself too crazy, like I'm probably going to do. Uh, so in two weeks we're going to come back. I'm going to real quick pay the bills, Gary. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com uh, slash JTR Pod for all your jumping the rail T-shirts and uh, other merchandise, which is you know just T-shirts. We don't have any. Anything else on there right now? But we got plenty of cool designs, I think. And uh, anything you guys want to get helps us keep the lights on and keep the microphones plugged in on this podcast. And uh, keep an eye out tomorrow uh, on the JTR Podcast Network YouTube, uh, the Zero One Shootout Podcast. Myself and uh, our buddy Menders, who's been on the show a few times, talking Zero One. But we're going to be talking with their tag team champions, Country Air, Zach Hendricks, and Doc Simmons tomorrow before the big uh, ambition show on Saturday. And then, uh, yeah. And other than that, we're going to, uh, you know, keep the uh, stuff on the Twitter, on the social media and everything. So Gary, if, do you have anything you want to add before we say good night here? No, no, I think I, I'll got all my complaining out <laughs> for now. 
For now, yeah. Give me now. A, let me reload. Yeah, we'll reload. I, I can always find something to get you grumpy about. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So until next time, enjoy full gear on Saturday or if you're watching GCW, whatever wrestling you're watching, then watch it and enjoy it. And uh, for my buddy Gary, this is Redman reminding you all life is hard, so work stiff. See you later and enjoy the new credits. <laughs>